today. Just such a sense of the presence of the Lord yeah. and his love over us and his amazing thing. And I just, I, I just want to say to my wife, I just saw, uh, the, as the Lord sees, your heart and the purity. It just broke me up, actually. Just how good the Lord sees you and how pure you are in him and how he sees you as your faith and amazing. Thank you, Lord. Really, really good. Just amazing. So the theme of today's talk is faith. <laughs> and um, the reason why I, f- I felt the Lord give me a t- tell me to talk about this, incidentally, just as an aside, I've been thinking week after week I should give a, a talk on global warming. I, I don't know if you want to hear a talk on global warming. I've been saying it for weeks, but every time I say I'm going to give it, the Lord gives me something else. But I do feel that I should be giving a talk on global warming because I feel the Lord is talking about it. So, but I felt the Lord ta- say that, we should, that I should talk about faith. And it's related partly to really our, our dear brother Neville going to glory and uh, related to that and I didn't know anything like as well as Andy and Heidi did but he certainly had an impact on our lives and you know I've listened to his um, his teachings and he's influenced me significantly and so you know when someone goes to glory unexpectedly it causes a little bit of ruffling doesn't it and so it caused me to think about faith. Uh, and, and then I read something about faith. And from then on, I've been on a journey over the last week about faith. And the stuff that that has actually uncovered for me. And I felt really blessed by thinking and touching and feeling about faith. Last night, I had a dream. And I dreamt that I was talking this talk about faith. And in the dream, boy, was I fiery. I was really going for it. Now, I'm not sure I, in the flesh I could do what I saw in the spirit in the dream, but you know, clearly the Lord wants to talk to us about faith. And it is fascinating because I've often said what Andy's just said. If you're an unbeliever, you need more faith than if you are a believer. And I want to talk us through a little bit of what faith means. Now, I, I came across a couple of really good quotations this week. And one of them was from J.I. Packer. Do you remember J.I. Packer? He's a great theologian. He said this, Christians should regard all truth of God as an apprehended mystery. Now I'm going to unpack that because what that means is that we can't understand to believe. We have to believe to then understand. That's another famous quote actually. What this means is that God is mystery. And it starts with our belief that he exists. And when we actually have that belief, we can then start unpacking what that means. Yeah? Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, my introduction to faith was the night, I I think this is true, the night that I got baptised in the Holy Spirit. And before uh, I got prayed for, the Lord gave me a vision. And the vision was that I was at the top of this massive cliff with about a 300-foot drop or more, actually. It was much, much more than that. And I was told to step over the cliff. Well, you know, you step over a cliff and that's certain death. But I did it. And as soon as I stood over this cliff, this mighty hand came up like this and I stepped onto it. And I stepped onto this mighty hand. And that for me is how God expressed to me faith. Another thing, another way that the Lord has persistently taught me about faith over the years is that faith is like riding a bike. Now let's think about that as well. So when you learn how to ride a bike, it's pretty dodgy. I can remember learning how to ride a bike. I was falling all over the place. Now I ride a bike and I love riding bikes. I can't understand how I can stay up. But I actually stay up. I just trust in the fact that I can stay up. I don't know how or why I do it. It seems crazy. But I'm riding a bike and I stay up. And faith is like that. 
Now, if we want to unpack, I, I did this because Andy's taught me to do this. Look at the look at the Hebrew for faith. It's this word called emuna. Does that remind you of another word? Emuna. Amen. Yeah. So when you look at emuna, there is different things and meanings within emuna. One of the meanings of emuna, the word is support. Okay? Now that actually has the feel of it that I'm supporting. Okay? Western faith is that it's a passive belief in God and a passive trust in God. But it's more than that. There's an activity associated with it. And I can prove that from something that I've given a, a previous talk on which is actually uh, when Moses, the Lord is my banner. Do you remember? So when it looks at, in Exodus chapter 17, keeps popping up this verse. I think there's something about this verse. It's a place called Rephidim. There's Amalekites. There's Joshua. There's Caleb. You know, there's Moses. There's the Amalekites down. And Moses is, and there's the Rons. There's all sorts of stuff in this. But the, the Lord, uh, sorry, Moses is kept in his hands up by the two at his side. And the, the Hebrew word that's used for keeping his hands up is emuna, from where we get our word faith from. So there's this concept of us, believe it or not, supporting God. But hear this in the right way. It's that our faith means that everything we do is about supporting God. So in, in other words, if I hear someone talking against the Lord... I want to support my God, don't I? Yeah? There's that active ascent to actually saying, my king is the king of kings and lord of lords. And I put my faith, my support in him. Yeah? So there's, there's other roots in this which are absolutely fascinating. I want to take you back to the point of conception. Can you remember being in the womb? Well, believe it or not, I can. Okay, so when you're in the womb, your total, total security is in the mu- your mum giving you food, life, comfort, security. That's how you were conceived into that. Okay. So nine months in your mother's womb gives you something called faith because you ascent into the fact that you are totally, totally cared for. That's how you were conceived. You were conceived into total security. And the word emuna, which is faith, there's a root in there which, which means mum and mother because out of it, it comes this concept of conception and being in the womb. And the total care and the love and the relationship that comes out of that. And what comes out of that as well is that faith, when it's appropriated properly, doesn't have any concept of hard work. It has concept of relationship. Yeah? Emuna also, as we have said, is amen. There's the root of amen in it. And I have to remember this, but... um, Amen comes from the Hebrew, El Malech Niman. I'm glad there's no Hebrew-speaking people here. Is it? Um, and, no. <laughs> and, uh, is it? Ah, uh, another, uh, great. Was that okay? Yeah. <laughs> and it, it actually means towards a loyal king or God the trustworthy or faithful king I affirm in we believe what has just been said so when we say amen we're affirming that God is our loyal king and our faithful king so these are all the concepts of the word faith in, the he- in Hebrew and, 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 and the Old Testament And so what it gives you is this concept of faith in action. We'll unpack that a bit in a minute. 
And, and, and we often hear, don't we, we say that our lives are lives of faith. We live lives of faith. Just to, just to kind of go down a, a little uh, sidetrack at the moment, I've alluded to us being conceived, and therefore when we, by the time we're born, we have total faith in the fact that we're alive, we have total faith in the fact that our, all our organs work. Just think about this. You're walking around right now. You've got about 1 times 10 to the 14 cells... Okay, Each of those cells has got DNA, which you unpack it, I think it's about a kilometre long. Okay, Loads of molecules. There is billions of chemical reactions taking place in your trillions of cells every second that you are alive. And it's keeping you alive. Think about that. That takes faith. You don't think about that, do you? But that is going on all the time in every one of us. Your liver knows to be a liver. Your heart needs, knows to be a heart. Just thinking about the brain, the amount of synapsin, which we call synapsin, which is electrical contacts, is just mind-blowing. So complex are we. And yet, you know, we operate within very fine limits. In fact, the limits are so fine that physicists say the whole of the universe is based around us. Okay, even atheistic physicists will say that. It's known as the anthropomorphic principle, that the whole of the universe is based on us functioning. All right? Just if I take one little thing called pH, who's heard of pH? Anybody heard of pH? pH just defines how acidy or not the body is. And our bodies operate within a very, very, very tiny range of pH. If we go one way, we're dead. If we go the other way, we're dead. And our bodies are so finely tuned that that stays for our entire lives. You know? That's how finely tuned we are. And the whole universe is based on that. That is not an understatement. And you've got to imagine that every atom that God created and every world and every planet and everything that's out there, all the principles that he put in place, you know, operate within your body right now trillions of times a second in each cell. It's beyond comprehension. That's why to not believe in a God is, needs more faith, man. Absolutely needs more faith. Just want to go to the Greek, okay? Because it's important. There's this term called pistis. That's the word for faith in Greek. Now, I just want to unpack it a bit. Because I've, I've been on a bit of a journey this week, like I've said about uh, understanding faith and we're going to talk about the faith in a minute but there's been a mindset that faith is totally passive I put my faith in God and he does the rest now you've got to understand that's true in a sense but you know what about the gospel uh, the, the epistle of James faith without works is dead and picking up what Andy said, is our belief and our uh, whole being has to be so much in the will of the Lord that he can flow through us and we will do anything he's calling us to. Yeah? And that's the works, the demonstrating, the activation of what we know to be true. We can't just lie in a bed all day, can we? And just go, I believe. We've got to activate it. And that may be intercessing, by the way, for 24 hours a day. Ooh, that's a challenge. So the, the Greek word pistis ha, has the, the concept of faithfulness in it. Okay? It has the, it has the concept of that I've got to do my bit in faith. Yeah? Now that's really, really important. Because we've all got callings on our lives. This is picking up what Andy said earlier. We've all of us got callings, you know? 
and the important thing is being in his perfect will. Now our calling may be to be in the secular world working and giving glory to the Lord. Yeah? And that for 99.9% of Christians is actually the reality. Our faith is outworked in what we do. Our faith is outworked in who we are at work. And I I'm, I'm, yeah, want to challenge you. It was a blessing, actually. Um, in the church we were in for 30 years, I had lots of people who knew me from work. So when I was talking from the front, there's no way I could put the wool over their eyes. They knew what I was like at work, and I enjoyed that because it was my kind of check that I was behaving and acting as a witness to the Lord. Do you know? And so I want to ask you, what are your, how are you like at work? How do you behave at work? How do you witness at work? Not by talking, but being. Are you gentle? Are you kind? Are you merciful? Yes, we have to be firm. There are times for discipline. That's actually biblical. But are we behaving as witnesses of our Lord, and activating our faith in the way we behave? That's the question. Amen? It's good. So there's this... this, So the interpretation of Paul's writings is that we need to faithfully obey God's commands, which is different i've just written down here than to just say we have faith yeah one is passive the other is active we need both yeah and this nullifies the argument i think of grace versus law now this has particular meaning for us because in the church in which denise and i were at there have been two church splits and the first split which is just before we arrived was over grace and truth you see if you follow this wrong meaning of faith what people say is that gives you a license to do anything you want okay and that has been called something called antinomianism I don't know if anyone's heard of that term but it was a big term in our church yeah because people felt licensed that they could do anything because it was all about grace by faith, okay? And they were against law, because that was works. But what I've just tried to explain is that we have, through faith, to listen to what the Lord is about, yeah? Yeah. So how do we get faith? How do we get faith? So look at the Bible. Ten, I love this verse, Romans ten seventeen. Consequently, faith comes from him hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Yeah, so get faith by reading the scriptures. Yeah? yeah? Now, it's an incredible book, and is uh, alluded to this. And, you know, it's, it, it's just a phenomenal book. The more I see it, the more I see it. I wish I could have eternity. Well, <laughs> I will have eternity, but, you know, eternity won't get me through this book. It, it sounds almost trite to say it, But that is true. Let me give you an example. There's over 300 prophecies about the Lord Jesus in the scripture. If we just took seven prophecies, it has been worked out, and I'm not going to bore you with the maths, but it's been worked out that the chances of seven prophecies occurring in one man, okay, through history is more than the atoms in this, um, in this solar system. If you go to about 30 prophecies, the chances are more than one, uh, one, one chance in the atoms in the universe. But we have 300. Do you see what I mean? Incidentally, just a little thing that I learned. This, uh, Andy will love this. Okay. When we come to looking at Bible, the Bibles that we have, we have loads, don't we? We have the King James, we have the NIV, we have all this kind of stuff. We, we have lots of translations. 
It's quite important to know where those trans- translations came from. You love this, Andy. So when you look at the King James, it is the only translation that came from an original Greek text called Textus Receptus. Okay? I won't bore you with how that came, but that's where the King James come from. The book that I've been using, the, the translation I've been using for the last, I don't know how long, how long, 36 years, um, actually comes from three books which were called codices. Codex is just Latin for book. So let's call it a book that were found in Alexandria. Alexandria was the town where Gnosticism started. Gnosticism is all about denying the deity of Jesus Christ. In other words, that he wasn't God. Okay? So the guys who actually looked at those three books, and you may have heard of one, Codex Vaticanus. Who's heard of Codex Vaticanus? So they were, they are... The, they was one of the books from which the NIV comes. And when you look at the NIV, the last 12, 12 verses of Mark are missing in the main script. Well, they're not missing. They, they say, some people say, it's not there. And the reason for that is because the last 12 verses of Mark are all about, really, uh, the deity of, of, of Jesus. So actually, the best translation there is, is the King James interesting isn't it you know but of course I I mean I use the NIV the moment I got saved I used the NIV and I still use the NIV um, but I'm just aware uh, of this so you know how do you get faith number two for it's by grace you've been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves it's the gift of God So there's an aspect of faith, which is a gift. And of course, the more you exercise, the more you get, don't you? Yeah. If I've got a muscle, the more I exercise my muscle. I'm feeling really good at the moment because we've done a lot of walking in Lake Districts. And someone said to me this week, I was like a gazelle going up one of the mountains we climbed up. So was Denise, by the way. So was Denise. Um, So, you know, I've got good thigh muscles at the moment. I'm able to really zoom up the old mountains in the Lake District. Great. But faith is like that. The more you activate it, the more it develops. The more faith you get. That, that's ju- just a, 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 you know, a, a law of, of, the, of the scriptures, if you like. And we're also justified by faith. Yeah? Amen. And I'll read it out to you, because it's one of my fir- favourite verses. Therefore... I love these therefores. Derek Prince always used to emphasise the therefores. Since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. So faith, which is by grace, gives us access, yeah? Into the presence of the Lord. That's how we access the Lord. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And it says in Scripture, faith is more valuable than gold. 1 Peter 1, 7. You know, hang on to our faith. Nurture it. Feed it. You know, one of the ways we've spoken about it is reading the Scriptures. And, and Andy alluded to this. You know, when you read the Scriptures, it becomes part of you. The more you eat it, You know, I had a spiritual experience this week where, and and this is what I mean by the fact that there's mystery. I I don't understand how, how, you know, I was actually preparing this talk. I was thinking about this talk. I was thinking about faith. And I've been through a a big journey this week, even through the issue of justification, which I won't go into. But I just felt the Lord just came and said, Ian, you're clean about a particular issue in my life. You're clean. I've forgiven you. It was the assurance. You know, faith gives you assurance, doesn't it? And that's why it's an active thing. It's not passive. I want to be actively faithful. So I've just... The outworking of faith is the next thing I want to just address. 
And you know, faith accompanies love. Faith and love together occur five times in the New Testament. The word faith occurs over 220 times in the whole Bible. It's absolutely vital. You know, we live by faith. We live by faith. And James himself says in 2.24, you see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. And this is an interesting one. Let's take us to 1 Corinthians 13. That if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that moves mountains but have not love, I am nothing. That's interesting, isn't it? So we've talked about faith, but we have to actually imbibe the faith to be able to release us into love. You know? Because at the end of the day, when we are before the Lord, the thing that will exist is love. And so that's what I was alluding to earlier on when I was talking about work. Because I, I talk, I've talked over the years about work a lot. Because I work. And so I've had to understand and in my own self uh, really understand what faith and what my beliefs are and how I appropriate those within the context of work. And one of the big things is about love, is loving people. It's all about personal relationship, isn't it? That's how you outwork your faith. It's because I love you. I have a faith that tells me I want to tell you or be a demonstration of God on this earth. Yeah? We have to walk humbly. We have to walk in mercy. We have to act justly. We have to stand up for the poor and the widow and the alien. That's what the, 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 the scripture says, and it goes on saying, Corinthians, and these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the grace of these is love. And, you know, just to define what the Bible says, because we're going to hit the biggest faith chapter. In, what's the biggest faith chapter in the Bible? Hebrews, Hebrews 11. Yeah. So it starts off, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Yeah? And let's just examine Hebrews 11 a little bit because it's just an awesome chapter. Now, I'm not going to read it all. There's 38 verses in it. But, you know, there's some, you know, as Andy, you know, said this week, we've got to keep praying what, what, what he was talking about. You know, it's all by faith. So by faith, we understand the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was made out of what was not visible. That was not rightly said, was it? So by faith, we understand the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. See, God imagined it and boof! Okay, now that... It becomes really important when we start talking about signs, wonders and miracles. Yeah? Now here's a good one. Have you ever thought about this? By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man. Well, what did, what did Cain do wrong? Have you ever wondered about that? What did Cain do wrong? Why was Abel's sacrifice pleasing to God and Cain's wasn't? Let you think about that. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life. It's a good one. Yeah? By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed and went. Wow. So how many of us would have the faith if God said, you see, this is faith in action again. Okay, God speaks to us, doesn't he? He'll speak to all of us. Denise reminded me this morning that uh, I'm one of the people that have argued with God more than anything else. So you see, God spoke to Denise and I very clearly, as Denise reminded me, about 16 years ago. God told us to move house. Okay? You know, you, let, let me give you the picture here. Got a house... It had been sorted. We'd been living there for 15 years. We, I mean, Denise and I have moved around a lot. This was our first stable house. You know, everything was sorted. The kids were growing up. One of our children got married. And it was just, whew, I can stay here now. 
Then God told us to move. Very clearly. Boy, did that wrench a few things. A few joints, yeah? You know, we can never stay still. I was very challenged when I read in Bruce Allen's book, Gazing Into Glory, the Lord told him to give away his house, his car, and his yacht in one year. Is our faith up to that? I want to ask you, is our faith up to that? God may tell you to move tomorrow. God may tell me to move tomorrow. He may tell you to change jobs tomorrow. Have we got the faith? Yeah, we'd say we have faith. God is building us up, isn't he? It's all part of his plan. You know, Neville has a brilliant, I think, a brilliant way of talking about this life. That this life is like a university. Yeah? It is. I'm going to ask you, I'll ask you a question related to that a bit later. So it's by faith Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, I mean, they were well on in years, weren't they? I mean, we've got to imagine, you know? Sarah was, I've forgotten now, 93 or something. But they believed beyond belief and they had Isaac, through whom the whole promise was given. And just an aside, by the, by the way, that was the testament of Abraham's faith, wasn't it, with Isaac? I'm going to jump down to one of my favourite verses in Hebrews. And what shall more shall I say? I don't have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouth of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in, our, in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raced to life again. Others were tortured, refused to be released so they may gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging whilst others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. Wow. Serious stuff belonging to the Lord, isn't it? It's serious stuff. You know, we've had it easy in the West. I want to tell you a story. I I have the privilege of mentoring a guy in India. This guy is much younger than me. He's in his mid-twenties. And I know him quite well because he lived in this country for a while. I met him in my various India travels. Denise and I know him. He, he is called to the Lord. He's just gone into a really dangerous place. I won't say where it is. But he's gone into a really dangerous place. I said to him, are you sure the Lord is calling you to go? He said to me, I've got the joy of the Lord. He didn't care if he lived or died. The last missionary that went into that place was an Australian, got burnt to death. Serious stuff, isn't it? You know, it makes me think. Now he's getting ready to go back. Do you know what he's doing as part of his getting ready? He's coming over to the UK. Because he wants to see me. And he wants to see some others. I I find that a tremendous responsibility. I do. He wants to meet Andy. And God willing. (laughs) And um, yeah, he's coming over in November. And he's planning to spend the whole month here. He needs visas. Um, I'm hoping we might be able to get him here. But you know... I tell you, that man, let me tell you, he's in his mid-twenties. He literally sees the demons flee. He literally sees the deaf here, the, you know, all sorts of miracles. And he sees lots of people saved. Wow. And he sends me videos of what's going on. And he goes into the darkest of the dark, let me tell you. You know, that's the faith. That's faith. You know, and, and I say, you know, I'm learning off him. I'm learning off him. 
So, um, you know, this is, this is the faith that we require now. I don't want us to feel down and heavy. Remember what this guy says. He's got, I've got the joy. He goes in with joy. Do you know, you see, he has, let me just give you a little, he has what's called a personal eschatological hope. Eschatological means the theory of end time, end things. So he has a personal eschatological. In other words, he knows where he's going to go when he dies. That's all that means. He knows. He understands. He has an understanding of the supernatural that we only dream about in this country, by the way. You know, I mean, just to take another aside, Genesis 6-6, wow. You know, he, he, they get it. Let me tell you, in India, they get it. Yeah? We argue about it over here, the meaning of it. They just get it. They've got the faith. Yeah? Awesome. Awesome. So, the, you know, the poor in the world are rich in faith. We've got to think about that. You know, I'm challenging us here. You know, we are so blessed, by the way, in this country with, you know, if you like, arguably the best society in the world and our possessions and all that because of the saints that have gone before us. You know, our name but one, Wesley. Yeah? That's why we're so blessed. But, you know, we have rested on his anointings and all that. You know, you go to India, you go to Africa, you go to some of these other places, people have nothing. They have nothing. You know, I've often thought that when I, when I particularly in India, you know, I, I, I've gone into, um, you know, a room that's, well, eighth of the size of this, packed with 150 people. Not only that, but actually, I've got this on video, actually. Many of the people in there stop me if I said this before, were hermaphrodites. Have I told you about this? Hermaphrodites, they're neither male nor female. That blows your brains a bit, let me tell you. You know? And I start witnessing, you, you know, and I, you have to say, I think, Lord, I'm not worthy to witness here. These guys know more about it. And I've got a bloke on the right who's so demon-possessed, he's just out shouting me you know and in the end you know he was dealt with but you know it, not by me by one of my Indian friends you know this is the gospel this is the gospel in action and Andy isn't it you, you've experienced we've experienced that it's, you know this is this is the faith but do you know what the demons are active are as active here as they are in Africa let me tell you that. They're just better hidden here. Yeah. And we tolerate, exactly, we tolerate them. You know, one of the primary things that we should be teaching people first coming to the safe is how to deliver people. Yeah. You know, salvation, Andy alluded it to this morning, salvation's the whole lot in one hit. Healing, deliverance, and born again. It's all in one hit. That's what the Greek means. Sozo, bang. Yeah? That's the power of the gospel. That's why I love listening to the old saints. Something of what they had. There was, you know, we were talking about Reese Howell Howell this morning. Reese Howell, such the presence of God around him. You were telling me this, weren't you, brother? And, and, you know, he used to walk around, didn't he? He used to have to tell the gospel. People used to just get convicted of sin, get saved there. Bang. That's faith. That's the prayer. You know, I'll tell you something about my wife. My wife. And this reminds me, Denise, because Denise was very influ- <laughs> influenced by Reese Howells. When Denise did a house of prayer and led a house of prayer for, I don't know, months and months and months, wasn't it? What got, so Denise was in prayer for hours a day. Hours a day. Through a period of her life. I tell you, the grace upon Denise's life, it used to, it used to I'm being honest here, it used to um, challenge me because... I was seeing the spirit very clearly over her. And there was just this enormous grace on her. Enormous. Because she spent hours and hours a day in the presence of the Lord. It's a challenge there. I was thinking about it after you spoke to me. I thought, wow, yeah. I've known my wife do that. So, I've alluded to this already. The testing of our faith. 
This is big, isn't it? You know, life is a bed of roses. It is, because it's got all the thorns. And that's how God deepens our faith. And it's how God stretches us. Everything that we do is a test of faith. You know, when we're told to move house, it's a test of faith. You know, this is why I've given this talk, because Neville going to glory is a test of our faith. It is. It's a test of faith. Troubles at work, it not going right, having a a naff boss, having a control freak at work, it's a test of faith. It's all there for our good. It's all there for our development. It's not there for us to run away. It's for there to persevere. You know, test of faith. I've had people try to take me to talk to court. You know? Test of faith. I was listening to Rick Joyner this week and you know, I listened to Rick jo- I, I've listened to some videos of Rick Joyner and Patricia King. But Rick Joyner said he's, su- he's currently got six court cases. Six! You know, and, and he said, I'm not, you know, I'm not faced. I knew who my Lord is. But you know, when you're a leader and when you're standing up for the Lord, you will be accused, won't you? It's a test of faith. All of us. Within church, Denise knows, I've been taken to court. Very serious stuff. Went on for, what, six years? Six years we had this hanging over our head as a leadership team. And do you know what? I was never called to testify in court. Because the Lord sorted it all out. The court, it was all there, you know, the court started there... But the defence were never called because the judge threw it out. After about, what, two weeks? Two weeks. Test of faith. You know, I, 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 had, I, I can honestly tell you that, that when we were in the middle of this, it, it was quite, you know, everyone knew about it. All the Christian churches knew about what was going on. And I, we were going to Wembley one day, and um, uh, this was to actually, uh, this was, what was it called, that, that Wembley? It was a day of prayer in Wembley. Tens of thousands of people. I walked onto the platform in Romford, and it was full of people I knew, full of leaders, all this. Because of what I knew was going on, and because we'd been challenged, I, we'd re- I, I received, along with the other leaders, anonymous letters telling us to stand down, or they would tell us, or they would go public about what they thought had gone on, uh, you know, behind the scenes. We had stuff like that. I went onto this platform. I literally wanted to run. <clears throat> literally wanted to run. I couldn't bear the thought of meeting all these Christian and Christian leaders. I had to hang on to a rail. I literally had to hang on to a rail. You know, testing of our faith. It's testing of our faith. It's good. <laughs> I can say it now. It's good. So, you know, the testing of our faith produces perseverance. It deeps and such. You know, life is all about learning. You know, the, the thing that we do at school, which is learning, it, it is, a, is a kind of cameo of what we do through life. Every day is learning. And I felt so humbled by listening to Brick Joyner and Patricia King both going, we're learning. We're just beginners. We're learning. True leadership is servanthood. Both of them said that. Really blessed me. Andy and Heidi, they're true servants to the Lord. You know, when, we, uh, when, we, when we're really living lives of faith, Andy quoted it this morning, I've got it down here, Daniel 11.32, one of the great sayings of this church, The people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. You know, Smith Wigglesworth, when he was at the beginning of a meeting, the first thing he used to do was, the first person to stand up will be healed. Okay? (laughs) Well, there we are. Amen. We pray. So one day, 
One day, this woman is the first to stand up. She is doubled over, completely doubled over, walking on two sticks, obviously riddled with arthritis. Smith Wigglesworth's son-in-law on the stage goes, you've blown it now, Smith. That's exactly what he thought, you've blown it. Okay, where was his faith? You know what Smith Wigglesworth did, you see, and this is what's so important for us, is he knew that heaven was more real than what he could see around him. Yeah? So he looked at the woman, but then he just went, he looked into heaven. He looked straight into heaven because he knows there's the resurrection and the life. And that's all he saw. He saw in heaven, he saw heaven open, and he went, woman, be healed. Bang, instant. That's what we do in Christ. Instant. So we do mighty exploits. We move in faith. And, you know, whenever you get a prompting of the the Holy Spirit, you know, we've all got the Holy Spirit in us. The same Spirit that dwells in you raised Jesus from the dead. Amen? You've got the Spirit. You've got the Spirit. So whenever you are prompted by the Spirit to pray, pray. Even if it's going to someone you don't know in the street. A little experience that happened to me. I mean, you know, personal experiences. But we used to do, I'm not saying I was great at this at all, but we, we did do this, what was it called, Denise? Treasure hunting. Treasure hunting. Thank you. I, I was actually, I want to tell you, I want to be really honest here. I spend most of my time drinking coffee. <laughs> but one particular day, I got talking to someone. I can't remember why. And uh, I had them, I was praying for them openly, and they felt the presence of the Lord. Then they went in to get their friend, their hairdresser. Then they went in to get another hairdresser. So I had, you know, I had three of these guys <laughs> praying. They could feel the presence and the love of God on the streets. Oh, I want more of that, Lord. You know, so you don't have to treasure hunt, by the way. You know, you just be prompted by the unction of the Lord. It's exciting. Yeah. Get a word for someone, just walk up to them. You know, again, another story, I, I was being served by a waiter with a friend and I felt the word of the Lord. I just prophesied to this waitress there and then. So blessed. She said, cool, that's right. So encouraging, isn't it? You know, that's, that's walking in faith. Amen. Our calling, okay, which runs along our side of faith, is Micah 6, 8. I always say our calling is Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. That is the activation of our faith, is it not? You know, humility. Humility is such an important part of our walk. We don't lord it over anyone. And we shouldn't, because if we know who we are in Christ, we don't have to lord it. We know who we are. We know our identity. We're here to serve. I'm here to serve. I am here to serve. You know, I have a, at work where I'm currently working, I've got to know one Christian. It's a really lovely guy, goes to an Anglican church. And I pop along and see him every Friday afternoon now. He says, my pastor. (laughs) So, you know, he's a lovely guy, full of God. You know, but, you know, works really hard. He's much younger than me. You know, life is stressful. If we do these things, what God has called us, Micah 6, 8, I truly, truly believe that's when we'll see visions, look into heaven. You know, we imbibe the spirit of the Lord. We walk as Jesus walked. We get words, we get the prophetic insight, we get the supernatural. We get all the stuff and we get the beginnings of revival. Yeah? That's how it starts. We've got to remember that God is sovereign. God can bring a revival without our prayers, by the way. You know, he can just do it. But God likes us to grow. You know, this life is about growing That's our eschatological hope, is that when we get to heaven, we'll continue growing, continue learning. Did you know, by the way, that in heaven there are people like Martin Luther giving sermons still? Wesley giving sermons? People who've been there have seen it. 
Interesting. Finally, the goal of our faith. Come on. Come on. The salvation of our souls. The salvation of our souls. You know? Can I read you 1 Peter? One. Is it, this talk has been more read. It's all been scripture quotes. And I haven't given you half of them. Though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. That alone is a a preach in itself. The inexpressible joy of the Lord is we're filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. I can remember, remember we went through months and months of this. My wife had a gift of of, of the Holy Spirit meeting her in laughter. Denise would laugh, laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. I mean, you just say something just innocuous and the Spirit of God will fall on Denise. Oh, I can feel the Lord, Lord. Just bang, Denise would be laughing. Denise has such a gift of joy in her life. You have love. You have. That's absolutely in you. (laughs) It's a season in our lives, you know. It is amazing. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's what you're receiving. The salvation of your souls. So we complete this talk by saying shalom. You know what shalom means? It means peace, but it means complete so my challenge, and you know, let's just not have nice talks. Let's have, cha- I challenge myself, you know, let's live lives of faith this week. Let's do meet and greets, you know. In other words, everyone we, you know, and there's no coincidence in your life. Your life is led with the Lord. You know, everything you do this week will be because God has ordained it. Because you're in Christ. Everybody you meet this week, everybody you touch... Everybody you come across is ordained of God. Treat it as such. Treat it as a precious moment. Treat it as a moment to be a witness to him and see what happens. Follow the unction of the Lord and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let him lead you. That's your outworking of your faith. It starts with you and me. That's then how we get into the greater works. Amen? Amen? Amen!